Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Plastic Planet podcast with myself, Dr. Refilwe. Today is, is very special to me. It's a very special episode. I know I always say that, but, uh, you know, I think for today in particular, for, for various reasons, but one reason in particular, we are in a country that has just, you know, in the recent past been recognized as the largest ocean plastic polluters in the world. And that is India, you know, um, and we are speaking to a very dynamic, professional, you know, just everything, just that the person we're speaking to today is is sort of a pioneer of ocean plastic pollution and awareness and, um, you know, a scientist and uh, a professor in, in, in her own right. And she's doing so much on the ground. She's, uh, you know, releasing so many papers. She's uh, writing so many books and, um, you know, also in the media. So I think for me, I'm, I'm very excited to hear you know, the other side of the coin, you know, we, we, we seeing all these statistics always come up of, uh, you know, the biggest polluters and, you know, the polluter pays principle, but we don't really often see who, you know, what work is being done on the ground and uh, what, what's, you know, the reception is and, you know, the perceptions of people on the ground and the impact that, you know, the entire pollution um, has on on the people, so uh, I'm I'm very excited to be chatting to Professor Parameter Chakraborty from uh, from India. Welcome, Prof. Hey, hello, everyone. Uh, I am Parameta Chakraborty. You can call me Paro. I'm the professor and heading the center Reach, which is research in environment sustainability advocacy and climate change uh, in under the Directorate of Research in SRM Institute of Science and Technology, Katankulatu, Tamil Nadu, India. I also hold a dual position uh, in the University of Ooz in the Department of uh, Biological Sciences and Environmental Protection, which is a recent uh, you know, affiliation. I have been affiliated to as a special scientific member there. Uh, well, uh, my research interest, my group, mostly we work on um, different legacy and emerging contaminants uh, associated with the uh, chemicals that comes out as an endocrine disruptors. Um, we look into the fate, transport, and cost-effective remediation techniques. In addition to that, like uh, just uh, you know, prior to this uh, pandemic, uh, I started working on the chemicals that comes out of plastics and also later on got interest into macro and meso and microplastics. So I look into this interlinkages between the plastics and the chemicals. And uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we are seeing a lot of new informations, which we are publishing like the past couple of years. And that's pretty much like kind of work that we do. We are also into uh, upscaling or recycling of the plastics, waste plastics, uh, into uh, products that have uh, not only value, but also like, you know, you don't need to discard those products for long term. 
So you can, in a way, hold the plastics from allowing it to go for open burning, which is very common in most of the developing economies. So this is pretty much what we are doing in terms of research. And that's what I can explain myself all about. You certainly have quite a number of hats, you know, that I would really like to, you know, just delved into and, and just, um, you know, really explore at a later stage in this conversation. But Prof, if we can take me back to where it all started, because, you know, you, you one thing that really just did draw me to you is the extensive publication list. You know, you have published not only academically, but you have, uh, you know, books, publications, you have, um, you know, just local newspapers and you are also involved in cleanups. Where did it all start and what is the drive behind this passion? Yeah, where dumping plastics, we were making, uh, you know, riverine litter or marine litter. And uh, also we have this practice of openly burning plastics. Uh, we dump uh, a lot of waste uh, here and there and we simply burn them. So it all started since then. I mean, of course, those days, I think 10, 11 years back, uh, plastics or microplastics or uh, this kind of issues were not talked so much as it is today. But at that point, I was feeling, you know, we need to figure out a way in developing economies, I think it's common, just not for India, but a lot of other developing economies in Asia, Africa. Uh, this is very common to, you know, uh, you know, collect the waste, including plastic waste, and we simply burn them to reduce the waste. But then in the process, what we don't understand is, uh, like when we are burning these plastics, we are releasing the chemicals inside the plastics. I should also mention, since I started my, uh, even before my PhD, I was working in the open dump sites of, uh, you know, uh, India in different cities. So we were looking into this persistent organic pollutants that comes out uh, due to openly burning the dump to waste. So the idea was there, but now what I started thinking, like, you know, uh, I should also look into how to recycle this waste plastics uh, so that it adds value to the waste material. And in the process, uh, what we can do, we can reduce the plastics entering in the open dumps because uh, the burning is pretty much a common, uh, uh, you know, phenomena, or you can say a common practice, uh, not a phenomena, sorry, uh, a common practice, mostly in uh, the developing economies to reduce the volume of the waste that are being dumped. So that was one thing. Parallelly, I was also looking into the fact that uh, this uh, there, there is new chemicals coming out, especially it was part of my PhD work that we were seeing that some uh, chemicals like polychlorinated biphenyls, which are uh, legacy pops, uh, legacy pops, I mean legacy persistent organic pollutants, but we were seeing those levels were rising along with several other uh, industrial pops. Uh, these we could associate with the fact that the electronic waste, that's another, you know, uh, category, uh, this electronic wastes are getting recycled in the developing economies, and the major part is taken care of by the informal sector, 
more than 95% electronic waste uh, are recycled by the informal sector. So I started writing projects and fortunately I got the Young Scientist uh, Research Fund uh, from Department of Science and Technology Government of India. Later I got a project funded by Ministry of Environment, Forest and Climate Change Government of India. And uh, then these were the projects which I was working on in this electronic waste recycling sites, as well as in the open burning sites. Now the common part in the both the cases was plastics. Now you may think what is there in the e-waste uh, plastics? In the e-waste, these recyclers are targeting the precious metals, the gold, silver, copper, the precious metals, which are in very pure form. So, you know, the, it's, a, it's a huge business. It's a huge business to get these metals from this, uh, uh, you know, electronic waste. And mostly uh, this across the globe, the recycling is taking place in the developing economies. Uh, because, you know, recycling has a lot of cost involved here. The labor cost might be cheaper and informal sector, it makes even cheaper. So what do they do? They take away the precious metals and the cables, the casings or the printed circuit boards, the plastic components. Basically, all this plastic components doesn't have much economic value. So they will discard it and these uh, plastics are openly burnt again. So it is now we have doubled the problem. One was already open burning, which was there earlier. And now this uh, coming from the electronic wastes. And we have a lot of papers where we have seen, uh, we have reported that uh, the plasticizers, uh, which are acting as endocrine disruptors, and uh, there are like a lot of other industrial pops and uh, heavy metals, a lot of this contaminants are getting released in this sector. And as you know, many of these contaminants are uh, capable of, uh, you know, uh, the organic contaminants are capable of uh, long range atmospheric transport because they are mostly semi-volatile. So there's a possibility they can affect not only in the place where they are released, but also in pristine regions where they can get deposited and impact the life. So it became a very, very big issue for me when I started and uh, that to start with the pristine sites, because prior to that, I was working on the metro cities, which doesn't mean I don't work on the metro cities anymore. But I started with the very pristine environment, riverine environment of River Ganga and River Brahmaputra, which are transboundary rivers. Uh, and uh, uh, we were seeing that pristine regions were uh, actually contaminated with the kind of uh, this pollutant which are capable of long-range atmospheric transport. And mind it, this contaminants, even at PPB levels, it can impact human health, if I can tell you in a very layman terms. So this is how my research with plastic started. But when I started working on the problem statement, I also understood that, you know, we have to find ways how do we add value to this waste plastic so that at least, even if it is a very small uh, monetary gain, that is where we can bring in a sustainable uh, approach to handle this waste. Instead of taking this waste uh, as a menace, we can think about uh, recycling in a proper manner and upcycling few of the products or at least holding the life of those waste plastics into some other products. So now we have started making this uh, paper blocks and we had um, visitors uh, from other countries, including Nigeria with this ACU fellowship, where we made this paper blocks using the 
recycled waste plastic uh, granules uh, using, uh, you know, replacing the sand component in the paper blocks. So uh, Rotimi was here, Dr. Rotimi was here from uh, Nigeria, from Covenant University. Uh, we were working in such projects as well. And now we are looking into uh, even uh, some other polymers of this uh, electronic waste plastics, um, how, to, how to come up with newer products. Uh, parallelly, uh, what we are doing with, uh, uh, you know, with my friend Dr. Natsuko uh, from Japan, uh, from their waste management, uh, you know, unit, uh, we are also seeing what are the different kind of chemicals uh, that are there in in recycled plastic material, uh, especially, uh, you know, in the electronic gadgets, we may see flame retardants, uh, which are not very uh, good chemicals to be exposed to. So what are the products? What are the different kind of products where we look into this chemicals? So understanding the problem is one thing. And secondly, we are also trying, how do we resolve the problem? So that's how the entire plastic research started. That is, you know, just really listening to you. There's so many facets that come from that, right? Um, what I do hear, you know, a lot from you is that, you know, the challenge in India is, is you know, burning and open burning of plastic and, um, you know, the import of plastic. But I, I, I'm so interested in, you know, your, in your upbringing, in your, you know, childhood, did you, was it, was it a thing? What is an apparent thing, an obvious thing for you to just like walk around and see plastic and, you know, was burning of plastic something that was readily practiced or, you know, as a child, you never saw this and it just sort of grew gradually. If you can talk to us about how readily is it, you know, that you can see plastic lying around or in the street or mismanaged in India, uh, you know, just looking back and seeing uh, and seeing plastic um, and seeing the environment, you know, how does it how does it compare from then to now? Um, that, uh, that's something like I really love to tell you. See, when I was growing up as a child, uh, I start with the bag that my dad would take for shopping in the morning to buy fish and vegetables, which is very common, especially in my hometown. Or all over India, I think that was pretty much common that, you know, you will use these jute bags, uh, which is a recycled organic material, jute bags. You will you know, you will wash the bags every day almost and you can dry it and use it next day. So there was no plastics coming out of the bags. There was no single-use plastic bags available when I was a child. Not at all. You are re reusing everything. Then coming to the milk packets, the packaging was not so big a thing in India uh, because we were almost using uh, recycled stuffs. Uh, then coming to the milk products, the morning, like, you know, I think like in one or two places or very rarely there are places where uh, one or two of these uh, milk packets would be available. And that's a that's a very, uh, you know, not at all a very common thing. So what will happen people if they want to buy milk, either they will go to the cow shed and with a steel vessel and get it from there. Or somebody will come to your house and give it to in your steel vessels. So they will bring it to your house. So it's it was never ever that so much of plastics around. Even if, okay, open burning, 
was still there, but it was more organic material, especially in the winter time. You can say stubble burning or biomass burning kind of a thing. When this struck me, and I can very well visualize this, when I was in college, suddenly I could see there are a lot of plastic bags coming in the market. And they were very attractive. Like, you know, they will have this sunflower kind of a thing and on the plastic transparent plastic bags and all. And I remember, like, uh, I had been complaining because I have a habit of carrying this uh, jute bags. And uh, I was wondering, like, you know, they look very attractive. And I was to tell my friends, like, you know, like, why so much of plastics are coming from somewhere else? This plastic bags, do we really need those? And slowly, steadily, I have seen as I started seeing more open India and then more of uh, consumerism increased. Like, you know, th those, I think it didn't until uh, 2008, nine, uh, there were not many supermarkets. Okay, so supermarkets started coming in. So the packaging material started increasing. So packed wood or packed, uh, you know, the single use plastic bags, then, you know, single use products like, you know, the fork, spoon, etc. And more of this supermarkets or the malls or this kind of businesses started coming in. I could very well see this. And I remember teaching in uh, colleges like as a part-time uh, lecturer and I would have a lot of outreach programs or when I'm teaching, I'll tell them, see the variation that is coming and this is going to be a big issue in the long run. And I never knew that I could visualize that much. And after that, like when I started my PhD, then uh, with my results, I started exploring that how electronic waste recycling is also another arena. And we are getting a lot of waste from other part of the world. And you can see the transportation maps in Bessel Convention that a uh, lot of transboundary movement of electronic waste is happening. So slowly, steadily, as I as I am telling you, like uh, when I was in college 20 years back, that is when the plastic started coming in. So it is a problem that has aggravated in the last two decades. Yeah, It, it wasn't there when I was a, a, a child, yeah. So I think it's just, you know, just to think about 20 years ago, it's just like a 20 year old problem that that we have. And I, you did touch on that, you know, there's a lot of plastic that is imported, right? I read once, you know, that India produces about 3.3 million tons of plastic. And, um, you know, if, if you compare that to what you see on the ground, and I, I would presume you know, just about 80% of it would, you know, if, if it's comparable to Africa, would end up in the ocean, right? Um, so if you can talk about to us about how, you know, how, um, how different is it um, from here? Because what we see is that, you know, there's a lot of importation of, of plastic. There's not a lot of production uh, that is happening in Africa, yet a lot of, you know, a, a lot of plastic does end up in the in in our oceans this is again another thing like uh, you know uh, to compare will be a little critical because um we we actually do not have much data on this uh, mass balance movement of uh, the waste uh, into the open ocean but uh, but again uh, there are some model studies uh, which talks about like you know uh, rivers uh, in asia like one of the uh, 
most important carriers of uh, plastics in the open ocean. But uh, still, there are a lot of, um, you know, uh, I would say like uh, factors that would be uh, responsible to compare it like this. Uh, because there's one thing that the there's a big recycling market here. So if uh, other than I, I'm keeping aside the single use plastics, the single use plastics, yes, when they end up in the uh, waste stream, uh, then definitely there is a possibility that uh, through the riverine flow, it gets up in the open ocean. Uh, that is a possibility there. But uh, one factor is, we are into a lot of recycling of the plastics. So many a times uh, compared to, I think this would be uh, similar to what uh, in Africa uh, you are seeing that, you know, everywhere, if, if we are in the developing economy, we try to recycle the whatever we can. So that is there. Say, for example, the pet bottles. Most of the pet bottles get recycled. Now here I would say, in the open dumps or in many places, there are a lot of rack pickers. Yeah. And these rack pickers were actually suffering during the pandemic because not a lot of plastics were coming. So they will collect this plastic waste, which and this uh, especially the pet bottles, what can be recycled. So I think there is one good quantity that goes for recycling. And especially uh, our Prime Minister, uh, uh, Narendra Modi ji, he has also come up like, uh, you know, uh, encouraging a lot of uh, MSMEs to go for recycling. So yeah, I think that is a good part that uh, politically also this has been taken to a greater attention and people have this awareness, have started coming up with this awareness that whatever coming in the waste stream, we try to recycle as much as possible. So that is one. And uh, Second thing is like when uh, with our research, we have not, we are looking into the uh, plastics or the microplastics or even the plastic additives ending up in the open ocean. When uh, we are seeing that, that that comparison is a bit difficult because we couldn't do the full holistic modeling of it. So that is one thing that we should be doing to compare it in a way. But the other good part is like most of the rivers that we have, uh, the perennial rivers, uh, they have huge capacity, the dilution factor is high. And even though that uh, we have some domestic uh, release, but uh, then again, I would say that the quantum he might be releasing to the open ocean might be much lesser than compared to the, uh, the other parts of the world where they use a lot of, uh, you know, plastics in terms of fishing and uh, other uh, the ways of microplastics ending up in the open ocean. So more than that littering, uh, which would be there, I don't deny in the tourist spots, etc. But now new rules are coming up. And even like youngsters are going and, you know, you would see like they're going in the mountains, collecting back the plastics. So I, and, and a lot of awareness in the cleanup days, like where people are doing outreach. So it is getting into youngsters' minds that, you know, we have to take care of this. So that is definitely there. And, uh, you know, it's it starts from the, you know, starting point. As I was mentioning you, when I was a child, like you will not have plastic water bottles. You will not have a plastic container somewhere and pick up. We will have our own glasses or even in the meetings or anywhere or in any celebrations, there will be steel or copper glasses somewhere 
and, and there will be a, a pot of water. So people can use from a common place. So I think that culture is again coming back. So comparison part, I'm sorry, like I cannot say in that manner, but uh, definitely one thing I, I must say that uh, where we are taking it up as a business, if these developing economies are taking the waste plastics from the developed world uh, for recycling purpose or as a business, as a good quanta, uh, we we have to be more careful and uh, in in a way let's take up this business let's take it positively because it's a huge money involved we we can be reach with that in but if we have sustainable practices so comparison wise again i'm telling like uh, of course uh, we have to do a lot of modeled work to understand that the quanta that is ending up in the open ocean yeah i i think i i love hearing that there is so much work that is positive that is coming from you know, uh, you know, all these, this work that you're doing. And I, I wouldn't expect any less, you know, given what you are doing on the ground and the incredible work that you are involved in. You you did mention, you know, that the minister also is involved and, you know, so there are rules that are in place and laws that are coming in. And, you know, I, I think at some point, you know, India was talking about bans of plastic and phasing out of plastic by year 2022 or 2023 uh how how involved is the government you know uh are they are they positive are they you know are they understanding they just you know the crux of the matter how important you know the the plastic pollution matter is particularly in the oceans do they understand that um is it a is it something that they take seriously Yeah, Indian government has taken it very serious. Uh, I will start first with the central government and then I'll come to state. Firstly, like, you know, uh, Indian government, I, I'm not sure if you heard about this, uh, you know, national flagship program, which is for Clean India program, Swachh Bharat program. So in that, our prime minister have initiated this so well that we have to have the clean environment around which we which we always uh, were hoping for. So with this, plastics definitely they're aware of it and everywhere they're encouraging. There is so much events program. And even, you know, one of our ideas, uh, there was like, uh, we were celebrating 75th year of our independence. And with that, a lot of ideas were encouraged. And fortunately, ours is one of the ideas that was taken up in the enlisted in the compendium in the Niti Ayo website. This is like, you know, we were talking about how to handle the plastics or uh, that kind of idea was very much appreciated. So it is not just, you know, uh, in a national level, uh, but also with individual. Uh, I think this government has that power to get into everybody's mindset and make them aware that we have to do this. We have to take care of plastics. And when coming to state government, you know, Tamil Nadu, uh, we, we are in the state of Tamil Nadu. The state uh, CM has also initiated this uh, using, you know, the old bags I was mentioning you, like, you know, the, the cloth made or jute made bags. Uh, here they call it manjepai, yellow colors bags. So they have started using those bags again. And uh, the single use plastics have been banned, most of the states. And but it took some time. You know, why it took some time is a lot of small-scale industries were engaged in the production of this uh, single-use plastics. So 
I even remember when uh, the Prime Minister wanted to stop or ban single-use plastics, but they ha still had to consider the, till this, this industries, they take over something else or they get a livelihood in somewhere else. So it took some time, but definitely most of the single-use plastics are now banned. And again, you know, like United States, like when you go for shopping earlier, like, you know, you don't take bags, like you get so many bags, there's plastic bags. But here, uh, that was not the practice earlier for us. We always used to carry our bags. And now the same thing we are getting back again. So again, two decades back, this kind of mindset changes that happen suddenly, uh, again, consumerism into effect and everything, the global changes. But again, we are trying to, the government is encouraging and we are getting back to our old culture and heritage of carrying our own stuffs, bringing it, recycling it more and refusing to use more of the plastic material. So it is not only, you know, my three little daughters, like they also participate in such events. They When they see burning of plastics, they come say, mama, this uh, plastic burning, you know, like, so even you can see this little kids are aware of it. So to what extent government has worked out, even in the school level or in the college level, they're encouraging a lot of such activities. They're giving points to such activities so that there's more awareness, as simple as that. And I, I, I'm really seeing that, you know, what I saw 20 years back, maybe 20 years later, again, if we have, if we come back with the podcast, we might be talking something very different. Maybe the yeah. generation would come up with newer ideas and doing things newly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so interested in that, you know, the innovation that's coming up, you know, especially from young people, because, you know, young minds do tend to come up with a lot of innovation. But I, I also want to touch on, you know, the response from manufacturers and from business, because I think a lot of the time that's where the pushback comes from. Do you know, uh, you find that, you know, the government Absolutely. would introduce laws and scientists would go out and uh, have all these engagements, but the resistance is with with, with uh, business. So how how responsive is business in, in, in ensuring that they come to the party and, and cooperate? See, that's a very, very important thing, like uh, which I was observing because we were part of this Indo-Norway bilateral project. Uh, in Opol, uh, and uh, this was funded by the Norwegian Embassy in New Delhi. We were one of the partners, main partners. During this project time, when in the first phase was in Gujarat, just before, you know, it, it was during the pandemic phase. And this was coinciding with the time when the government was thinking about, you know, banning the single-use plastic bags. Uh, I I actually, we had a stake, we, couple of stakeholder meetings and uh, we were visiting a lot of industries uh, who were actually manufacturers. <clears throat> In that case, what I experienced was like, I, I, I want to share that with you, like uh, government was keeping on hold uh, for very small scale industries who are completely doing this, uh, producing the single use plastic bags or single use plastic products because they are not as big an industry like uh, you know, uh, big, uh, I don't want to name them, but very big companies that who would be able to manage when they're shutting off on small unit and moving to some some other units. So this manufacturers were, uh, were being, uh, you know, supported by the government to, to move into something else. 
and which again cost like you know purchasing new machineries or uh, modifying those machineries because this extrusion machinery might not be useful if or maybe it may not be economically viable to use a you know organic product in the same manner so definitely there were there was and there still is a lot of issues with those small companies but uh, they were given choices like and also uh, they were given subsidies to start with the new businesses. So those things uh, government took care. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, any change of business, it's not so easy. Like, for example, we ourselves had a startup uh, of uh, recycling plastics. But, uh, you know, the it was not that like COVID time, like, we had to shut off because, you know, the lack of funds, etc. So the struggle is still there for many manufacturers uh, like this uh, who are uh, even doing the recycled uh, products. Uh, but, you know, their struggle would be there whenever there is this changes. So some subs good part is some nowadays they're getting some subsidies or some kind of advantages uh, to do it in a, even a better way. So those are there, but the challenges are still there, I would say. And another thing I, I must tell you uh, this, that, you know, we actually cannot live without plastics. That is very true. Uh, so the manufacturer who are making it, but uh, you, you can see the polymer industry, uh, they would say that, you know, how do we justify, like, say, for example, even the medical, biomedical plastics, you, you cannot go back to the glass syringes back, right? So th there is a lot of use of this plastics. I think the problem comes not in terms of the even manufacturer or the consumer, but how we dispose them. I think the major problem is there, that how are we disposing our uh, end of life cycle plastic products? That doesn't mean we produce more or single use plastics. These are way to control, way to handle the problem, of course. Uh, but this is again there. Yeah, And if you ask my opinion, I would say this, like, imagine this e-waste plastic. And again, now we are coming with uh, e-waste it's, itself is a big, uh, you know, thing that we have to look up now that e-vehicles are coming up. We have to look very seriously on electronic waste and look at the component of the plastics in that. Say, for example, the printed, uh, you know, your, you know, this uh, keyboard, which is a black color plastic, maybe uh, HIPS or this kind of uh, polymers. These are used for making, say, skipping ropes or even some balls or something, etc. Or some other, you know, uh, photo frames, etc. So the, there are this kind of manufacturers. So there is a switch over, switch over for manufacturers from what they were making single use plastics to some other product where they can use the same extrusion machinery. Because machineries are also important. They cannot overnight change the machinery and change the business. So such kinds of transitions I have observed, uh, you know, during this project period, that is there. But still, I would feel some have the challenges. And sometimes they're coming with the coming of this woven bag, like polyester bags. I believe those are even more worse. But the fact that we are not talking about them much now uh, but again, maybe another 10 years down the line, a, a decade later, then we will say, why we were manufacturing those? We have to stop and ban those. So yeah. sustainable approach would be like, you know, whatever new is coming up in the market, we need to check that as well. Thank you so much for, you know, that very rounded and well informative, you know, Saka 
you know, a wealth of knowledge that you've just uh, given us because you painted a picture from, from, you know, 20 years ago, you know, what India looked like. And it was so beautiful and lush and green and the oceans were so clean and, you know, what factors were driving that. And then, um, you know, what it looks like now and what, you know, <laughs> led to the plastic pollution that you see and how prevalent and how vast the plastic pollution is in India and the impact it has in the marine life, you know, um, so, and, and, you know, just took us, you know, along the interventions of government, the responses of business, innovation around, you know, um, you know, creating new types of plastics and new forms of plastics and uh, really a change in mindset and how the public is receptive of it. So, Thank you for that. And I know that you, Prof, yourself, just plays a very important and very significant role in ensuring that, you know, that change and that pivot happens in, in, in India. So any any last thoughts and, you know, any last advice you'd like to to give our our listeners, perhaps people who are looking to make a positive change in India, what would you say to them? I would just say, uh, please uh, try to stop dumping and openly burning of plastics. That's not healthy for you, for anybody in the country or even like uh, across the globe. So whatever is there being dumped, the please try to find a way to send it to a recycler. Take this additional effort to send it to a recycler, uh, the waste plastics. And if it is a single-use plastic or some other way out, like try to approach, uh, you know, the government or one who is coming to collect the waste that you don't need to dump it together with a lot of other material and burn it. Just this one single step will help us a lot. And we need to reduce using uh, the plastic that or refuse using the plastics uh, that are not much needed. Uh, every time we go to a place, we see a lot of water bottles and we start picking two, three, four. Please do not do that. Take one, fill it up somewhere and then try to use it. This is going to help us a lot. The small baby steps can be very, very significant and important. And again, I'm telling it's not a problem just for India, but for the developing economies in Asia, Africa, I think we all can take this small baby steps for a better uh, future. Thank you. Indeed, indeed. Thank you so much, Prof, and thank you for your time. And, you know, just please continue to do this incredible work that you're doing. It, it's not going unnoticed. We see it everywhere, you know, um, you know, even in Africa. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you are working with the Norwegian government, with the German government. Uh, and, you know, you, you are really making strides. And uh, we, we really much appreciate that. We do need people like you who are going to, you know, in spite of their, you know, accolades and their, you know, just a level of professionalism, just also just come back to the ground and say, this is how we do it. And we, we appreciate you and thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.